Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's great. I'll just check quick and make sure. Oh, brilliant. It didn't work last week, but it's working this week. Good morning. Good morning. This morning we're going to be talking about the unshakable hunger. Who's hungry? Who's hungry right now? Right? There's a few of us are hungry right now. I'll try and keep it short then. But absolutely, food is something that really captivates our mind. Isn't it? Let's be honest. We all love a good bit of grub. And very often we love the grub that we can't have. Or the grub that's bad for us. If it's, not, if it's good for you, more often than not, it's not that nice. Until you get used to it. I remember um, whenever I had, was just hitting my 20s and I decided I would go on a health kick. As you can see, it went really, really well and lasted a long time. But I remember my, my younger brother put us all to shame in the house. My younger brother would hide broccoli in our room. I used to share a room. He'd hide broccoli so nobody else would eat it. Right? And if you've met my family, we're not big broccoli eaters. Right? But he would hide the broccoli. And I thought to myself, well, do you know what? See if he can do it. So can I. Right? And I remember making broccoli the first time. Whenever everybody was out and I got the steamer out and I thought, do you know what, we're going to do this. It's going to be lovely. It shouldn't stick to the pan though, should it? <laughs> no, it shouldn't. And it didn't taste very good. And it put me off broccoli. So then I went on and I tried watermelon, which is quite nice, right? And it's just water in a melon. As the name says, very flavoursome, very nice, beautiful. And I tried all these things. But it's funny, whenever you try and eat well and you end up restricting yourself too much from the other stuff, there is that inevitable slide back in to eating bad again. Am I just the only one? No, that's good. Well, it's not good, but it's good. Good, 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 to, good to know. Absolutely. And so very often when we restrict ourselves... And we cut something out completely, we really, really struggle to keep it up long term. Because see that first taste of chocolate after Lent? So good. So good. And it creates that downward slide. But tonight we're going to talk... Tonight? Goodness, I've not been that long, have I? This morning we're going to talk about hunger. And an unshakable Hunger. I want to ask you, this is not a trick question, but what's your favourite food? Everything. <laughs> Thank you, Dorothy. Everything. What's your favourite food? Carbonara. Carbonara. Oh, we carbonara. Very good. Any particular places? Louise's carbonara? Well, I make it myself. You make it yourself? Very good. You can't beat the homemade stuff. So we've got carbonara. We've got everything, which is a little less specific, um, to be honest. <laughs> He's got three courses there, like, hasn't he? <laughs> Prawn cocktail, sirloin steak, and a baked Alaska. I tell you what, I hope that's not on the same plate. <laughs> that's just the starter. <laughs> Anybody else? I know we all we all we all have favourite foods. Any type of bread. Any type of bread. Are you a sardo sardo girl? Just love bread. Brilliant. Anybody else? A nice pot of stew. Chicken. Any particular way you like the chicken? 
KFC. KFC. He's backing me up there, Ray. That's good, isn't it? KFC. We all we all have these things that we like, don't we? We all have these things that whenever we're hungry, we will. Oh, do you know what? I really fancy that. Maybe you go into the cupboards and you find it and you find all the ingredients and you put it together and you make it. Maybe you need to go to the shop and you need to get it. Or maybe in my case, it's honey chili chicken with fried rice from the Chinese and you can't make that at home. Right? So you need to go. Right? But we all have our favourite things. And today, as I said, this morning we're going to talk about hunger. And today we're going to talk about a feast. And that feast is the Word of God. We're going to talk about a hunger that can only be satisfied by the Word of God. Jesus himself said that he was the bread of life. The scriptures tell us that he is the Word of God. So in essence, we're going to talk about Jesus this morning. That's always good to hear from the preacher, isn't it? That we're going to talk about Jesus, um, because otherwise, what are we doing? But we're going to talk about this unshakable hunger that is within us. And we're going to talk about how in our unshakable life as the unshakable people of God, the unshakable life is both satisfied by and hungry for God's word. I was sort of hoping somebody would say McDonald's was their favourite, but I feel like we're in the wrong demographic um, for that very often. But do you know that McDonald's puts stuff in their food that makes you crave more of it? Uh-huh. Would you believe that? Certainly they used to. I don't know if they still do, but they used to, and they got found out for putting additives into their food that made you want more of it. The Word of God doesn't put additives into it, but actually as we read and we feast upon the Word of God as the unshakable people of God, we should want more. We should be hungry for more. And we're going to look at, surprise, surprise, three different ways, some three different things that this hunger for the Word of God does. Turn to the person beside you very quickly, because I know you love this bit. And say, are you hungry? Are you hungry? (laughs) It's a rhetorical question, Roddy Roberts. (laughs) Right? Are you hungry? The first thing that hunger does, and the Word of God does, is hunger awakens need. Have you ever felt needy? Have you ever just had a need or a want for something? Have you ever just been so at your wit's end that you've gone and you've opened up the scriptures and you've went, God, give me something. Have you ever been searching for something for so long and you just went, God, show me. Show me what it is. Show me. The book of Deuteronomy, which we're going to look at tonight, but the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verses 2 and 3 say this. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you you these 40 years in the wilderness. That he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now the people of Israel have been on a bit of a journey and we've been looking at that in the evening time. They've left Egypt. God has freed them from slavery in Egypt. He has promised them 
a land that is flowing with milk and honey. But because they disobeyed God, it's led to a bit of a diversion. This diversion has taken 40 years in the wilderness. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. Nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God or the mouth of the Lord. We all have a need. And we all have a need that only God can meet. Very often we live in a world where people turn around and say, where is your God? Where is your God? Whenever you look around the world and you see poverty, when you see war, whenever you see children snatched from their parents, whenever you see all of these atrocities and injustices that happen across our world, very often those who don't know the Lord will come up against us and they'll say, well, where is your God in this? Where is your God in this? And you say you have a God who meets every need according to his riches and glory. But what about their need? What about their need for food? What about their need for shelter? What about their need for refuge? What about their need for love? What about their need for this? What about their need for that? Or very often it's not far afield. Very often we can fall on hard times ourselves. And we looked on Wednesday evening about how life just happens. Sometimes life just happens. We live in a fallen world. We stand on the authority of scripture that says that in Genesis chapter 3 a decision was made by the first man and woman to disobey God. And as a result of that, the perfection of creation was not broken, but the perfection of creation was marred. And the relationship with God became a little bit muddy. You ever heard that phrase, as clear as mud? Man's love for God became about as clear as mud. And as a result... Of that sin entered into the world. And you know this. You know this because myself and preachers before me. Long, long ago. Have told you this. You know this because the word of God says it to be true. But we live in a fallen world. And there is a need in this world. That can only be met by God. And whenever we are hungry. For the word of God. We realise more and more how much we need him. As we turn the news on, which I've shared with you before, I, I just don't watch it anymore. I read it instead. Because you can turn it off. Whenever you see all of these things, do you not just think, oh, the world needs Jesus? Do you not just think, oh, do you know what? The world really needs Jesus. The world really needs to turn to God. And it's absolutely right. But we, as his people, have a responsibility. 
We as his people have a responsibility. The people of Israel that we were just discussing about from the book of Deuteronomy, they were the people of God. They were God's chosen people. But they didn't realise their need for him. And in not realising their need for him, they got themselves into trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble. Trouble that was avoidable. There is some trouble in this world that is unavoidable in this current age. But there were decisions that were made that meant, do you know what, this could have been avoided. If the decision had been made to follow after God. And this morning, church, I just really believe very clearly that the Lord wants us to rediscover our hunger and our need for him and for his word. We're going to look at what God's word says about itself. We're going to look at what people a lot more intelligent than me have said about the word of God as well. But first and foremost, when we're hungry for what God says, it awakens a need within us. We, as the people of God, cannot say that God is not speaking to his church if our Bible is on the shelf gathering dust. Or our Bible apps are the least used apps on our phones or our tablets. We cannot say that God is not speaking. For God is speaking through his word. He's speaking in other ways as well. But primarily God is speaking to us, his people, through his word. And if we're not in the word, we're missing out on what God has for us. We're missing out on the blessings that he has for us. And we sing, we sing that song often, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. And then in another verse it says, oh what peace we often forfeit. Oh what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I think you can add, oh what needless Pain we bear all because we do not carry the word of God with us. Because we do not open the word of God with us. God speaks to his people through his word. God speaks to his people in the secret place. In the place of prayer. He speaks to his people when his people put themselves in a position to listen. God is always speaking. God is always at work. And we need to listen. We need to listen and we need to reignite or re-engage our hunger for the word of God. I want to ask you, are you satisfied? Do you remember that old song in the 80s? I can't get no satisfaction. Right? We're talking about a different type of being satisfied here. But are you satisfied? How's life? Is a question that we very often ask one another when we haven't seen each other in a while. Or how's life going? And we get very surface answers, don't we? Oh, wow, things are, things are good. Things are good. Or, oh, it's been a rough few months, but you know, I'm coming out the other end now. There was a joke in Bible college. Um, 
that uh, there was a girl came over from, from England, from Whitley Bay, to study, and she said, I can't, I just don't understand you Northern Irish people. And I said, I thought she meant her accent, but no, she didn't mean her accent at all. She says, she says, you ask somebody how they are, and you go, oh, Ashley, how are you? And then you walk on, you don't get for an answer. Right? She was like, what if I'm struggling? What if I'm not doing well? I went, Lucy, calm down. It's okay. It's okay. But actually, she has a point. She has a point. Are you satisfied today? I want you not to just ask people how they're doing and walk away. But I want you to stop for a moment here. Not turning to anybody beside you, but I want you to want to ask you the question and I want you to really examine yourself, just as I will and have. I want to ask you the question, how are you doing? How are you doing? In a world that's a hundred mile an hour, I want you to halt the stop. I want to ask you the question. God wants to ask you the question. Are you satisfied? Are you satisfied with how things are? Are you satisfied with your relationship with me? Are you satisfied with how your life's going? Just now. Are you satisfied? Because we do, don't we? We live in a society that goes at 100 miles an hour, that stops for no one. But actually the scriptures tell us to come aside Scripture says, God says through Scripture, come aside and let us reason together. Come aside, let's have a conversation. Let's ask the difficult questions. God's big enough, by the way, for your difficult questions. God's big enough for your whys. He's big enough for your, well, how come? How come, God, you're blessing the Joneses with their new flashy cars and their new kid and their new this and their new that, but God, this isn't happening for me. This isn't happening in my life. God, how, how come it seems that blessing upon blessing is falling upon these guys, but God, I seek you. God, I read your words. God, I spend time with you in prayer. I serve you in your church. And this stuff's happening. How come? How come? You need to know, church, God's big enough for your how comes and whys. And actually, there's an authenticity that God craves from (laughs) us, his people, in those statements. There's a realness. Because when the rubber hits the road, You can probably count in your one hand who's going to be there for you. But you can always count God. (coughs) He promised he would never leave. He promised he would never forsake. You. It's that personal. And in a world that is going a hundred miles an hour all the time, I want to ask you, are you satisfied? Are you satisfied? 
Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 2. God says through the prophet Isaiah to the people of God. He says, why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And Sabrina says, amen. Sabrina loves bread. right? But why do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me. Another translation says, listen intently to me. Really focus. Really focus in. And listen to me. And eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. Here, you need to know God is not talking about practical food, physical food. God is talking about how the people of Israel were chasing after all the stuff. All the material stuff. They were chasing after, in our modern day equivalent, they were chasing after the flashy cars. They were chasing after the big houses. They were chasing after the popularity. They were chasing after the designer labels. They were chasing after everything that they felt would fill a void and a gap in their lives. Not realizing that the only thing that could fill that gap was the presence of God. And when God is saying to the people here through the prophet, listen diligently to me, focus in. Listen up and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Here he is saying, delight yourself in my word. Delight yourself in my presence. Delight myself, delight yourself in your God. The God of Israel, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac and the God of Abraham. Delight yourself. Delight yourself in the goodness of God. He's not saying that having a nice house is bad. He's not saying that even having a nice car is bad. He's even not saying that being popular is a bad thing. But what he's saying here is this. That when your hunger is for those things rather than for God, there's an issue. And it's a big issue. It's a problem that goes a lot deeper than the surface. And it's a problem that can only be fixed in the presence of God. Ecclesiastes 6 and 7. We don't really preach from Ecclesiastes very often. There's a lot of good stuff in it. And Ecclesiastes is also the book that says there's nothing new under the sun. And this was written thousands of years ago. And it still rings true today. All the toil of man is for his mouth, yet his appetite is not satisfied. We can fill our life with all the stuff. All the stuff. But if we're not filling it with the presence and with the word of God... We're never going to be satisfied. We're never going to be satisfied. We look around our society. We look even in our families. 
or even in our own life. And we can see ways that people, individuals, even ourselves, can try and fill (coughs) gaps. Can try and plug the big gaps that are in our lives. And we're trying to put round holes in square square pegs in round holes. Because actually, we know. And I would even say that given our rich biblical heritage in this country, our country even knows. Our country even knows that only God will satisfy. But for some reason, we run. For some reason, we turn to other things. And this morning, I truly believe that the Lord is saying, this is an opportunity for a clean slate. The most beautiful way that I ever heard God described was as a teenager in church. And the preacher said that day that our God is Jehovah's second chance. And he's Jehovah third chance and fourth chance and fifth chance and sixth chance, etc., etc. And maybe you feel that you've burned your bridges. Maybe you're here because it's what you've always done. Or maybe you're here because it's what you feel you should be doing. But actually you don't come with a hunger and an appetite and an expectation in the way that you used to. God's saying, here's a blank slate. Here's a clean slate. Let's start again. Jehovah's second chance says my presence is enough. And he takes us by the hand and he says, let's go. Let's go together. Isn't that a beautiful picture of the God who stoops? The God who stoops down and says, I know that I am the only thing that can satisfy. But I don't force myself. But would you come with me? Would you come? Let's go. Let's go together. St. Augustine, one of the early church fathers, said this. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Do you remember what it was like for maybe those of us who have been saved for a long time, have known Jesus for a long time? Do you remember what it was like before? Trying to fill with all the other stuff. And then that moment where we accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior of our lives. And in that moment, there was this perfection. This perfect moment where for a second, perfect rest because St. Augustine was right and there's plenty of scriptural references to back up what St. Augustine has said here that we were made for him we were made to be in relationship with God and our hearts 
are restless until it finds its rest in him. This is stone cold truth this morning. C.S. Lewis, not appear on the screen, but C.S. Lewis, uh, and he's Belfast boy. And I'm paraphrasing him here because I don't have a written down. But he said that he was always restless in this world because it never quite felt like home. And if this world never quite felt like home, then the only logical explanation was that we were created for another world. A world where we will be with God forever and ever and ever. And then when we've been there 10,000 years, we'll still have no less days to sing his praise than when we first began. I want to ask you are you satisfied are you satisfied if you are good (laughs) if you are I want to challenge you to go deeper and deeper in the word than you've ever gone before because life happens and sometimes things just seem so unfair But your hunger, your hunger can be met. Your thirst can be quenched. Your heart can be mended. As we fellowship with God together. He's the binder of wounds. He's the lifter of our head. He's the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the great God. And he bids us come. So are you satisfied? And we're called to be a people who are both satisfied and sustained. Jesus says in John chapter 6, For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. (coughs) Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is the word of God. And the word of God both satisfies and sustains us as the people of God. And very, very quickly, I want to implore you all to go on a diet. Not physically, but spiritually. Because I need to go on a spiritual diet too. Because a steady diet that is spent around God's word, when that time is set aside each day to be alone with him, to hear from him, there are visible signs 
of that outworking. Visible signs of that transformation. Just as if you dieted in real life and you stuck to your plan, it would begin to show. So whenever we stick to our spiritual diet plan, it begins to show in our lives. Firstly, a steady diet on God's word revives our souls. You downcast? You're having a bit of difficulty? Is life throwing you a curveball? You feeling a wee bit down in the dumps? You need to know you're in good company. The psalmist was down in the dumps a lot. But as he meditated upon the word of God, we are told that his soul was revived. And the scriptures say that Jesus Christ, the word of God, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he can do it for the psalmist, he can do it for you. And I can testify this morning that he's done it for me. When I've been in the depths, he's been the lifter of my head, and he has revived my soul. A steady diet on God's word also means that he directs our path. Do you remember that old song that we used to sing straight from scripture? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You're glad I didn't sing it, aren't you? Right? But a steady diet on God's word directs our path. We looked last year at the unshakable power of the Holy Spirit and how he is a helper an advocate, a comforter, but how he's also a guide. And as we read the word of God, the spirit directs our path and satisfies a hunger that can only be satisfied in the word. A steady diet also teaches, corrects, and trains us. I love that the word of God doesn't hit us over the head with itself. Yes, it might correct us. Yes, it might teach us. Yes, it might train us. But ultimately, it does it for our encouragement and for our benefit. Sometimes as we read the word of God and we're convicted of our sins, it feels like we're hit right between the eyes. But sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes that's necessary. And the word of God, and if we diet on it, it will teach us the ways of God. It will correct us in the ways that we have been going wrong. And it will train us in the way that we should go. And lastly, the word of God satisfies And I've left those wee references up there for you. And it would be very easy for me just to read them to you. But go and meditate on them. If you need to take a note on your phone or on a piece of paper, do that. Or you maybe want to come and see me afterwards and get them. That's okay. But go because the word of a steady diet on God's word will satisfy the hunger that is within you. (coughs) It will meet every need. It will satisfy you on one condition. On one condition. 
James chapter 1. And James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Jesus has been dead and buried. He's risen again. And he's now ascended to the right hand of God the Father where he is seated praying for us. And James writes to the church. He's of grandfatherly age at this stage and he's passing on his wisdom. And he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. It's one thing to hear it. It's one thing to read it. It's a completely other animal to do it. (coughs) Let us not be a people who come and consume People who come and hear the word and walk away and don't let it change the way that we live our lives. But let's be a people who hear the word of God, who read the word of God, who meditate on the word of God and allows it to transform us. And when something transforms us, we put it into action. Let us not just be hearers. Of the word, but let us be doers of the word today. Let us be a people who are satisfied and sustained by the word of God. For man does not live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And we have a written account, a living <coughs> word that God still speaks through to his people today and tomorrow and the day after and in a thousand years time if he hasn't come back for his church by then let's be hearers and doers of the word let's pray together as the band comes